Have you ever felt the sting of jealousy in your personal or professional life? Is jealousy an unavoidable aspect of the human experience? Or can we develop strategies to transcend its grip? Can gaining insight into the roots of jealousy lead to greater emotional intelligence? And can jealousy serve as a catalyst for personal growth? Or does it always have a detrimental impact on the quality of our relationships? Join me after the intro for a conversation with a very special friend with whom we will answer this and many more questions. So grab a cup of coffee, settle in, and let's start. Hi, I'm Rosanna D, and this is Forgiven Tribe, a podcast where we explore what thriving in life means and how we can achieve it, irrespective of our past, current condition, and expectations that those around us or society in general may have. Let's go. Welcome to the Forgiven Tribe Show. Jealousy is a natural human emotion that surfaces in almost every relationship. Whether the person that triggers jealousy in us has done anything to justify those feelings or not. Sometimes the feelings of jealousy are fleeting, other times they can take over. Frequently labeled as a negative emotion, jealousy is a complex feeling that many, well, let me rephrase it, all of us encounter throughout their lives. And yet only few of us are provided with the tools to truly master it. Most importantly, when we are caught up in its vortex, we may fail to recognize the inherent light within jealousy. Yes, because beyond its shadowy exterior, jealousy can serve as a mirror, reflecting our desires, insecurities, and unmet needs. It holds the power to illuminate aspects of ourselves that we might not readily acknowledge. So today we want to unravel the multifaceted nature of jealousy, recognize that within the darker corners of this emotion lies an opportunity for introspection and personal development. By acknowledging and understanding the, the roots of jealousy, we want to open the door to self-discovery and empowerment, transforming jealousy from a perceived negative force into a catalyst for growth. And we dive into this fascinating topic in a conversation with today's guest, Dr. Jolie Hamilton. Jolie is the relationship coach for couples who call outside the lines. She's a research psychologist specializing in jealousy, TEDx speaker, best-selling author, and ASEC certified sex educator. Julie also hosts, or co-hosts, uh, I should say, the Playing With Fire podcast with her anchor partner, Ken. She has been featured in outlets like the New York Times, Vogue, and NPR. Hi, Julie. Welcome to the Forgiven Tribe show. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Rosanna, and for that beautiful introduction to jealousy. It's, you got, oh. I'm already all a flutter. <laughs> well, you may get that uh, obviously is uh, one of those feelings that everybody, me included, uh, has suffered from. So I'm very intrigued to, to know more and to learn more about jealousy. But before we move into that, I really would like to start with you. And in particular, how did you start with jealousy? And, you know, it, it, it might not be the most obvious feeling that we go in and study, is it? Oh, absolutely. And there's the thing. I um, I didn't want to study jealousy at first. I really didn't. Um, when I was 
choosing my my primary research topic, as so many of us do when we're in graduate school, we're presented with, okay, at some point you're going to have to make a decision about where your focus is. And I really tried not to choose jealousy because all everywhere I looked, people said, like, you really want to spend that much time up close with this terrible, awful emotion? Do you really want to have to hear stories about how people are suffering and how this horrible thing is happening to them? And eventually, I heard enough people say that that I thought, oh, jealousy needs me as much as I need a topic. Jealousy needs an advocate because I believe that there are no bad emotions, that emotions are, they're incredibly filled, rich with wisdom, and jealousy tends to be misunderstood as being entirely bad. And while we might not want to revel in it, um, at, when we demonize an emotion, it's just terrible. So I started to look a little deeper. And when I looked a little deeper at my capacity to study jealousy, I noticed that if I looked at my own life, jealousy was a theme over and over and over again. And it it was a theme for most of my clients. It was a theme for the people I was sharing my life with. So I knew that I had to choose it, even though it was going to be uncomfortable. And the high point has been, it actually hasn't been uncomfortable. Um, once you get comfortable looking right at jealousy, it's it's quite lovely because it's telling you something so important and it doesn't last, right? It does. It, it just like all of our emotions, it shifts and changes if we can be with it. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty comfy with it now, but I'm with you. At first, <laughs> I didn't necessarily wanna. <laughs> I absolutely love what you're saying because we have this tendency of saying, "Oh, this feeling, this emotion is negative, and this other is positive." And I love what you said that. They are all there to serve a purpose, and that purpose is to tell us something uh, that is going on uh, inside us. And again, if we, as you said, if we can stay for a little longer with that emotion, perhaps we might understand things that we wouldn't have understood otherwise. So uh, thank you for, for stressing that out. I think it's uh, extremely important. Joy, I would like to start a little bit with the definition, because Sometimes we use an, uh, different words. The most obvious are jealousy and envy, and mm -hmm. they might have completely different roles. But there are also others that might seem a, like a stretch, like, for example, competition, comparison, admiration. Again, they might be a stretch, but perhaps they share the same emotional root. So can we just go through these words and, and kind of identify what they really mean yeah. from an emotional point of view. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad that you're starting here because first we really should sort out that jealousy and envy are separate, but we tend, when we're speaking the English language, we tend to use them as if they were the same, as if they were synonyms and we could just interchange them. But let's get clear and first say jealousy is a protective emotion uh, that is made of a host of other emotions. That's why we call it a complex emotion. But its core purpose is to alert me to a sense of threat, a sense of threat to a valued relationship. Now, this means that jealousy is always about being in relation to others. And very key, jealousy is about this sense that I have a relationship with my beloved, 
the beloved could be a valued boss or a coach too. It doesn't have to be a, a, a romantic beloved, but my valued other. And I fear, I feel this threat coming from another person. Now the person might be real. They might be imagined. They might be Instagram, right? Because we can imagine people out of our social media, but I imagine a, an interrupter to my valued love, loving connection, my desire for this person. And that's the hallmark of jealousy. It's this, this emotion that alerts me to a potential threat or an imagined threat. Now, envy is a little different. Envy is about, I want what you have or I long to be who you are. I want to be like you. Um, and these are very different things because envy is about just me and one other. I want what they have or I want who, to be who they are. And then, like you said, there's all these other emotional words. A lot of people throw the word insecurity out and they say, jealousy is just insecurity. Jealousy is just insecurity. And I want to push back on that. Because jealousy, what that is it, to my mind is a subjective confession. For the person saying jealousy is just insecurity, they experience jealousy as being deeply tied to insecurity and therefore probably tied to comparison, right? They compare themselves with others. And when they find that they're lacking, then whoop, insecurity pops up and now jealousy is present. And so a lot of people try to, they, they, they use these words to push the energy of jealousy off in one direction or another. Because here's the thing. If I don't like the word, if I don't like owning my jealousy, and I say, no, jealousy is just insecurity. Now, okay. So I'm now I'm left with the word insecurity. What do I do? What, what's the move? A lot of times when people use that term, what their next move is, is to say, you need to make me feel secure. If I feel insecure, or they double down on their self-work and they say, okay, I'm feeling insecure. I need to really bolster myself. I need to feel better about myself. I need to work on my self-esteem. These are all reasonable moves to take, but, but none of those, like thinking about whether this is a competitive or comparative or insecure emotion, none of those get to the heart that jealousy itself has been named. It has been named in our mythology and has been named for, for millennia now. Jealousy is at the heart of our love stories it is at the heart of our sibling rivalries for our, the attention of our parents, right? It's too powerful to not entertain it as its own thing. So I don't like to, to compare it to any other emotion and instead to just hold it with a lot of honor. Like it is there from the time we were a, a, a little infant and it is there to try to guide us to protect valued relationships. And a lot of times we do some pretty horrible things. We behave in terrible ways because we don't know how to be with that feeling. And we need to be careful about that. So it's a complicated topic, but there are a lot of words to tease out. And every time someone wanders away from the word jealousy or they really don't want to own the word jealousy, I will invite them back to, what if it is jealousy? And what if it's okay that you feel jealousy? And then we can attend to what you do with that emotion and what you do with your actions, because that matters a lot and will have a lot to do with how jealousy plays out in your life and how, how well it goes in your relationships. That's so interesting. So uh, provided that sometimes or more than, than once we confuse 
jealousy with other stuff, with the envy, with um, insecurity. How do we spot feelings of jealousy through jealousy? Uh, are there characteristics, behaviors, ways of thinking, for example, that we can really associate with, with jealousy? Yeah, yeah. Well, the first thing I ask people to do if they want to start recognizing jealousy is start noticing when you feel threatened or fear about any relationship and then look for the triangle. Because if you can spot a triangle of myself, my beloved, and my perceived interrupter, this person who I think is going gonna, is gonna to mess up my relationship or get in the way, okay, so then we can identify it from sort of a clinical perspective, right? But yeah, jealousy does tend to have some hallmarks in our behaviors. Um, one of them is monitoring. We tend to look at what our partner's doing with a what I think of as a jealous eye, right? Like I view my partner's actions and I'm I'm not imagining the best possible scenario. Instead, I'm looking with that, this is why they say the green-eyed monster, right? I'm looking with this eye that is looking for them to be showing me that they are turning their attention away from me towards someone else, or I'm looking... I'm, I might be monitoring who they're texting, where they're spending their social media. I might be checking in on them. I might have put locators. I might have their uh, find my iPhone turned on. Um, there's a lot of behaviors. I might also be snooping in their email. I might be like, there are snooping behaviors, all of that. Those are all signs that jealousy is present. And I want to say the behaviors, we want, we want to check those behaviors because the behaviors aren't actually going to address the relational needs but they are a sign. So I would like to thank those behaviors and say, okay, they're not helpful for anything except this one thing. They told me jealousy is present. If you are monitoring, if you are hyper vigilant to where your partner is spending their attention, then let's notice that jealousy has entered the room. Another thing that comes up is a desire to control or to know exactly what your partner is thinking all the time. And that desire can come from a place of, oh, I, I just want, I want to know my partner. And that could be really um, intimacy building. It could be beautiful. And then it can go to this darker, more shadowy place where we want to know exactly who our partner is looking at, what their glance goes to. We are monitoring them to see who they're looking at in a room. We ask them to share every thought with us. They're not allowed any private space. And that steps over the line from an interest in deep intimacy into if it's forced, right? If your partner wants to share and is like, yeah, that's juicy. Let me share this with you. But if, if they're not allowed to have any privacy from you, then probably the fear piece of jealousy is running a lot of your relating. And that doesn't actually build intimacy in the long term. It feels like it, but in the big picture, a better move would be to instead say, I want to come clean about my own emotional content. I'm jealous. I'm, I'm afraid. I'm nervous. I'm worried that you're going to turn your attention to someone else. I'm worried that we ha don't have clear agreements in our relationships. And to expose that part of yourself, that is intimacy building, right? That invites your partner now closer to you. Mm -hmm. But if you ask them to have no privacy through many, many different behaviors, we have some problems on our hands. 
There are two points here that uh, really caught my attention. One is uh, the sort of irrational and sometimes unfounded fear that we might be taken on uh, mm-hmm. under under jealousy, right? And the work that we have to do on ourselves to understand that that is fear and most likely it's unfounded. And the other is uh, facing that fear head on and communicate that fear to to the partner or the the, the friend or whoever uh, is in uh, in that relationship that is uh, triggering jealousy with us. Can we dive a little bit on those these two aspects, the fear, uh, especially when it's irrational and it's unfounded, and we we have monitored the situation and really there is hardly anything, but we still have that inside us, yeah. and how we communicate that yes we recognize that we have that inside us and the quote-unquote problem is within within us but we are asking for help it's yeah yeah this is so important because my clients often are seeking they're seeking some help because they have they've only been taught two things one either they should look to their partner when they feel jealous, they should look to their partner and say, you fix this. You're making me feel this. But that's like, they can't make you feel away. They might inspire it through actions, but a lot of times our emotional content is coming from within and they can't, even if they were to change their behaviors, they can't change, they can't actually alter. So let's deal with that. And then the other piece is that we can show up and want desperately to to deal with our jealousy, but to do it in a way that where we don't have to actually acknowledge the pain, where we don't have to acknowledge the reality that there might actually be stuff going on. So I like this two-pronged approach you're suggesting. Let's think about, so we have some people who have lots of jealousy going on. It's uncomfortable. Um, I see people come into my, my practice and they're like, I'm miserable with jealousy, but there's but I, but there's no evidence. Like I, I see, you know, so there was a woman I worked with recently. She's like, you know, I'm really, I'm honest with my boyfriend. I watch him all the time. I've asked to read his texts because I'm scared. Like I've looked, I'm paying attention. Like nothing's, nothing's happening. Jolie, what? Nothing's happening. Why am I so jealous? And she's got one set of issues to deal with. And then there's another set. And this is why we don't want to cure jealousy. Jealousy often is also telling us that something is actually going on. Right? Like it's it, there is some kind of behavior that does need changing or addressing. And that, so founded a jealousy, like realistic jealousy, that should be dealt with too. And we don't want to dismantle jealousy as an emotion because if you have a person who is mistreating you by violating agreements by, or by refusing to have clear expectations about how the two of you behave in a relationship, well, darn, you definitely deserve to have that addressed. So we have we have to look at these two different ways it can be playing out because at the beginning, most people don't know. Most of the times when jealousy rises up, we don't yet know whether we are justified or not in this jealousy. And to some degree, who can decide? You know, like what, what justifies jealousy? But let's say that you have clear relationship agreements. Let's say your agreements include that um, you won't go out on dates and you won't flirt with other people. 
let's just imagine that, like a, a, a pretty typical monogamous perspective. Well, cool. If jealousy is rising up, is it because you have seen a partner flirting or you, you've seen a calendar date or you've seen a hotel bill? Is there something real, some evidence? Or do you have an imagination that will create these scenarios out of the tiniest little grain of sand of evidence? And if you do, why? What purpose is that serving? Because that's that's always my question. Like, if psyche is putting this in your imagination, what purpose is it serving? An unfounded jealousy can serve a few purposes. One is it can give us something to talk to our partners about. It can give us something to poke and pull and try to pull them in more. Um, a lot of us don't know what how to build intimacy. And so if I if I can imagine jealousy, well, now I have a thing, like a big topic, a conversation we have to have. I can have a way to pull this partner into conversations to reassure me, to constantly refuel my sense of safety in this relationship. Mm -hmm. And yet over time, like we know how this goes. Partners usually feel worn down. They feel disbelieved. They can feel accused. And so the medicine here is to address the real underlying need and and it takes time. Usually people have to go through some time of recognizing what is it I'm seeking? Do I need clearer relationship agreements? That's often right at the core. A lot of times they don't have any relationship agreements. They just want to feel secure, but they don't want to have any agreements. So let's address that. I, I, I have a whole wing of my work that's all about that. And then another is does my partner believe that they have a role in supporting my experience of being in this relationship? And if they do, cool. How can I seek the reassurance without accusing them, right? How can I, how can I seek reassurance in a way that really feels nurturing to me? And a lot of people were taught to never seek reassurance. I would say even more so, men tend to not feel that they can seek reassurance. Um, women tend to be maligned for it, but men aren't even taught that they get to ask. But whatever it is, can I verbalize my need for reassurance about what our relationship is, what we're doing together, um, how what our what our relationship agreements are? And that might be I work with a lot of people who are doing non-monogamy, and in their case, they have to get really complicated in their relationship agreements because they don't have the the simplicity of like, well, we're just not going to go on dates and we're not going to flirt. They have to get more complicated because they're making space for multiplicity. And so how do we reassure each other? So you can imagine we could talk for a whole hour just on reassurance, but we could also talk about what happens if I have an emotion that's that's really coming from a place of deep woundedness. Do I have a history of infidelity? Do um, Did my parents, were they unable to show up for me and show me consistent love? Um, did my parents have a history of infidelity that then I witnessed in some way, even long after the fact, because that like, sometimes we find out later, but we realize, oh, as a child, I was sort of living in that melu. All of those things would leave us with a deep, um, wound that would be worth addressing and would have nothing to do with my partner's actual behavior. It's, and we haven't even gotten to the justified jealousy, but like all of those deserve attention. And I, I want to encourage people to see how they deserve attention. And it starts with saying the jealousy itself is mine. Like you said at the beginning, like it's, it's mine. It's coming from within. So now can I seek help through therapy? Can I seek support from my partner? And can I 
allow myself to own that jealousy without giving into behaviors that are problematic. Mm. It's very interesting what you are saying, especially the connection with the self and uh, self-esteem and self-confidence, my identity, because obviously we we take that identity or that sense of identity within that relationship. So we respect to that. Are there sort of uh, practices that you can recommend for people to boost a little bit their self-confidence when it comes to relationship and, and jealousy and uh, considering jealousy within their relationships? Yeah, you, you know, there are so many different ways we can approach um, being with ourselves. There, like, there's, there's a lot of talk about self-esteem, but this is deeper than just self-esteem. Like, self-esteem is about the regard I hold myself in, but most of the time when I'm working with people who are struggling with unfounded jealousy, there's just, there's no justification, they don't know why, they need to go back and deal with these very deeply wounded child parts who really want to be taken care of in relationship. And one of the things that I feel gets overlooked is asking for our partners to consensually engage with us about this. So frequently we force our partners into a parentified role. We like, we make them take care of us by behaving more and more childlike. We get more irrational. We get more problematic. We, we, we start acting out and lashing out and force them to either join us in the sandbox, throwing sand in each other's eyes. That's no good. Or we force them into this position of, oh my gosh, okay, I'll take care of them. I'll, I'll deal with this. I will keep. And it becomes this, this parent-child dynamic. The way out of that isn't just to stop. Because I like it would be great. I could just say, so stop that. But we're doing these behaviors because we don't know how to stop them. So I like to think about this as, can I talk with my partner about creating some consensuality around, hey, I have these childlike parts and I'm going to work on reparenting them. And this, this is hard work for me. Are, would you help me? Would you be willing to help me help myself? And if your partner is up for that, welcome to a whole brave new world of relating because now you can, you can get your partner's support to do some of those things. Like, for instance, let's say that you um, are hypervigilant and you monitor their everything all the time. What if your partner can step in and help you by offering assurance before, like they might offer assurance at the beginning of the day. They might, I, I ask my, my clients to use a, a basic commitment statement like, I choose me, I choose you, let's be in this relationship together. They could just offer you simple, very corny, I know, reassurance. And then they could, let's say before, um, before the day has passed, they could ask how, they're, how you're doing. Like, how are you feeling? Are you feeling secure? They could quite literally lean in and ask, how's it going for you? They could ask you if you need additional support. They could also offer to share what they do want to share. So I've seen people decide of their own volition to share more of their internal world and say, this is what my Instagram feed looks like. Yeah, let's look at it together and let's talk about it. It is a, there is a, a very gentle sort of parentified role there, but you see the difference because your partner got to opt in 
And then, and then ideally you're working to see this and say, oh, they love me. They care for me. They're helping me heal myself. And ideally you're also engaging with your own therapeutic process so that you're building the skills to do this for yourself. I, I, lo I love this uh, idea of uh, working that set all emotions to, together and uh, working it out together. Julie, very often when we think about jealousy, we refer to jealousy between uh, a love relationship, but jealousy is across the board. Whatever relationship can feel, um, can have these feelings of, of, of jealousy. And sometimes jealousy, for example, can start in, in the office at work between colleagues uh, as well. How can we turn that environment that is filled with negative part of, of jealousy. I, I know we said at the beginning, jealousy is not negative, but you know, that perhaps it's a negative aspect. Yeah. Perhaps, perhaps it's more envy than, than jealousy into something that actually is very inclusive, can celebrate someone else's success uh, and, and be part of, for example, for people working for the same organization, you know, thinking your success is my success and my success. Mm -hmm yours and having this environment where every piece of the puzzle is celebrated yeah yeah so you're touching on something so important envy and jealousy can show up at the same time and that that makes it even more confusing we said before sometimes people use the words for the same thing yeah and sometimes both words are appropriate so in the case you're outlining let's say we work together i might have a valued relationship with our shared boss, right? Let's say there's someone who is our, we directly report to, and I have a valued relationship and so do you. And I might want their attention and so do you because getting their attention is how I sustain my job. It's how I feel valued. It's how I get raises, right? Like, so in that case, I might actually feel like your attention from the boss is interrupting mine. So now we've got that jealousy triangle. And at the exact same time, I may be feeling profound envy for how you work, for the roles and jobs that you're given, for the projects you're put on, for the way that you move in the office, for the attention you get, all of that. And I might want to be you. And this is where the the um, it's helpful to think about Cinderella and her stepsisters. Cinderella, her stepsisters are envious of her. And that energy becomes very destructive, very, very destructive. Now, they're not jealous because jealous would be if... If their mother, if the if the the evil stepmother in this situation, if if the mother was pouring attention all over Cinderella as well, then we'd have some jealousy in the picture. But instead, we've got envy, and where envy shows up, especially in work environments, it can become really destructive. You're naming that, like, yeah, wouldn't it be wonderful if we celebrated the piece that everybody brings in? I, uh, yes. And we also need to allow for the fact that envy can be motivating for some people, right? So we, we use it because I can see how you move, how you work, how you, what you do and how you are being in the world. And I can say, I'm going to, I'm going to work toward that. So envy can be helpful, but then there's the reality that I can't be you. So Cinderella's stepsisters could, could have looked at her and said, well, she works really hard and she sings beautifully. Maybe I could take voice lessons. And But they couldn't make their feet smaller. They couldn't make themselves daintier. They couldn't be her, right? And that leads to that destructive quality. 
So when we're feeling through jealousy and envy in the workplace or in a in a, a team environment, this happens with teammates all the time. I like to ask, like, see if you can sort out the difference between the envy that you feel that's motivating, that helps you see, I want to be like that. And see if you can write that down, like grab your pencil and actually journal about it. Make a list. What are the qualities that this person has that you want to have as part of you? And then I want you to go through and honestly cross off the ones that are just, they're not things you work toward. I am five feet tall. I am not going to be taller. If I write down height, I'm going to cross that off, but I'm going to leave on shows up with amazing attitude. Amazing attitude is resilient. Um, takes the project on and, and looks at it in a new way. These are things I can work toward, right? And if I can sort the motivating energy out, now I can keep that part, keep the best of it. And now I'm going to take all of that destructive energy and be careful with it. I'm going to be very, very tender with it because I don't want to point it at the other and try to destroy them. That's just not helpful. But I also don't want to accidentally destroy myself. And that's the real burden of envy is then I will turn on myself and begin to self-loathe because I am not that. That's where we get close to comparison and competitiveness, just ruling our lives. And from my perspective, it's mostly about, can I check my actions? And enlisting a, a buddy to help keep you accountable, are you actively promoting your own destruction through negative self-talk, through, you know, destroying your own image at work by not supporting the team environment. It can be helpful to pull somebody into that puzzle. And it could be a therapist, but it could also be a colleague who you do get along with, somebody that you can let just be in this with you and say, wow, I'm really struggling with this and I want to work on it. So for someone that is uh, really struggling and has these feelings of jealousy and perhaps a mix with envy as well. What would you advise them to to do specifically? I mean, if they are left on their own dealing with yeah. those feelings, where they yeah. can really start. Yeah, if you're if you feel like you you have to work this from your own side, then the very first thing to work is the way you talk to yourself. Because so many of us are making these problems bigger by continuing the inner narrative that is self-demonizing, is destructive. And the, the best thing we can do is to not try to flip it all the way to the other side and say, I'm amazing and I'm perfect. And don't try that. They, like Your psyche knows it knows you. It knows that you're, you're telling too big a, a story, right? Instead, what can you do to shift a little bit? What's the tiniest shift you can make to say, oh, I see that they got the new project. I see, I see that. And I'm valued here too. I have a role here too. What, and, and shift that inner talk one fragment at a time. And it takes effort. And if you were raised in a highly competitive environment, that may not come naturally to you, you know, if if everything to you has been about competing. And sometimes this comes from playing sports or, you know, being in a, a competitive classroom, but sometimes it comes from our parents. If your parents raised you to compete with your siblings for affection, get an outside help. You deserve to unpack that and, and take that 
apart step-by-step with a therapist because they, you didn't ever deserve to be pitted against your siblings. Not ever. I have seven kids. Even, even though I tried hard, I know that that came up at times and it takes time to dismantle it more time than I would like. (laughs) Absolutely. I I suppose the issue here is uh, perhaps the stigma that we have around uh, jealousy or feelings like jealousy and the fact that there is quite a lot of societal pressure uh, is perceived in such a negative way that we think that if we say, oh, you know, I, I'm jealous uh, in, in this situation or I'm jealous of that person or, or, or you know, we are perceived as being bad. And, and that might be one of the reasons why perhaps we are less likely to talk with others and to search for, um, seek for help. Would you right. uh, agree or is something that you have come across, for example, with your clients? Yeah, it's, you know, we so frequently feel alone in these, in these problems, right? We're, there is this deep stigma and it depends too on the microclimate of your, like your culture, where you're living, wherever that is. Not when I say where you're living, I mean, not just your country, but like your neighborhood, your friend circle, your, your colleagues. Um, for some of us, the very notion of just acknowledging that I am jealous or envious or that I'm sad, right? There's stigma attached to all of that. And so if you're living in that kind of environment, then doing some of the things I've been suggesting is a huge step. And I want to acknowledge what a big step it is to just say, oh, what if emotions are information, not morality? What if, what if I don't need to moralize my own my own emotions? I mean, that's, that's an enormous step to take. And so that might be where to start, to just begin sitting with emotions. There's a great book um, called um, Constructive Wallowing. I, I love this. I'm trying to think of the author's name off the top of my head. I don't know it. I will send it to you so you can put it in the show notes. Um, it's a great book about what if we just be with our feelings and we don't try to make them go away faster than they want to. And this isn't about just, just like behaving any way we want, you know, becoming destructive, becoming problematic. It's also not about staying in it so that we can get attention, so that we can make people do things, right? It's about being patient with ourselves while we actually feel the stuff, while we actually feel through whatever it is is coming up for us. And I personally still find that incredibly challenging, especially with, so for me, anger. I don't demonize anger. It's easy to be with anger. Jealousy took years and years and years. At one point in my household, we actually banned the word jealousy. We wouldn't use it. You can imagine how helpful that was. That is to say not at all. Um, So what we banish we only make louder. Um, we don't shove stuff into the shadow. So if you're dealing with that, one way is to start um, start with an emotion that's not the hardest one, right? Do you have a difficult emotion that isn't the hardest emotion for you? You know, can you maybe tolerate sadness and and practice admiring sadness for what it brings? Can you practice being with anger and 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 seeing all the ways that that helps you? make change in the ways that you need to, you know, and and then move toward 
envy and jealousy that might be more challenging for you, or it might feel like you don't have any support with those. Mm. I absolutely love what you're saying here. And you mentioned something very, very important, you know, acknowledge your emotions, stay with them, but not, don't stay with them too long, far too long. That can become damaging. And on that particular aspect, I would like to ask you about forgiveness and thriving, which is obviously the title of well, Forgiven Tribe of this podcast. So for me, these are two very uh, critical uh, concepts. And in particular, I, I can, you know, uh, think of forgiveness as accepting whatever has happened. For example, in, in the past, you cannot change that. Accepting that you are experiencing a, a feeling, a, a particular emotion, acknowledge it, but then don't make it stick to you for forever, you know, move on. A and that is what opens the door to thriving again. And, and, and for me, it was uh, really a, a sort of roadmap that uh, I, I, I found and uh, on my own personal uh, life. And, and it, it was so fitting with, with the podcast. So I would like to ask you about forgiveness uh, or self-forgiveness in particular. And is there an element of jealousy that perhaps we need to forgive ourselves for in order to thrive or, and have thriving relationships? Yeah, I, I think that this is exactly why it's such a, an interesting conversation to have with you. And I mean, I, I do a lot of interviews. You have asked different questions. And I think it is because you come at, at life with this lens, this perspective of like, well, where does forgiveness fit into this puzzle, piece of the puzzle? And that leads us down a different path. I will say that, you know, typically... I, when I'm working with clients, I will ask them to focus less on forgiveness because often we're earlier in the stages of figuring out how to muddle through the day-to-day -day with a partner who maybe has stepped out, has violated an agreement, right? Or they're working through the stages of rebuilding a life after everything broke down because there were actual actions. And they aren't at the spot yet where they can... Just, like they can't just forgive like, oh, I'm just going to flip a switch and boom, it's just happened. Um, and they definitely aren't at a spot yet where they want to forget because they're building their new reality based on what they've learned, right? So I tend to, to have less people who are in that stage. However, it's really interesting to see what happens when people come back years later. And one of the pieces that often needs to happen is a, le a level of forgiveness, like you said, of the self. Because, and it's so, it's challenging because with jealousy, some people will take all of the burden of it and say, why, what did I do to make my partner take these actions? Or they'll take the jealousy and say, what's wrong? Why am I broken that I have this feeling of jealousy, even though my partner's not doing anything? And that becomes malignant, right? That becomes so self-harmful. And I still find myself getting into that, that self-talk of, wow, yeah, if only, if only it, I had done something different, right? And in that case, practicing self-forgiveness, practicing being really, really patient with the feelings and then 
allowing a process of moving through and allowing a, a, a letting go to actually to happen almost of its own volition. It when I I have found that when I do my grieving, when I sit with my feelings and I do my grieving, then the forgiveness often will just come to me and I can I can just choose to pick it up. But with jealousy, that can take a long time. And if you're not ready to forgive, I have found that when people try to force it, usually they're only harming themselves more. And then there's the other piece with jealousy, which is, should I forgive a partner who has inspired jealousy through action, right? Like, let's move away from those people who have unfounded jealousy and into the ones who, yeah, stuff happened. And the jealousy served its purpose, right? It did its job. It told you that there was a threat. And you then addressed that threat, whether you got back together with this person and healed and moved forward or whether you broke it off. Either way, there can be this real, like this gaping hole of pain. And a lot of times the person who stepped out, the person who who made the, the agreement violation seeks forgiveness. And a lot of times they want it immediately, right? Like they want to, as soon as it's found out, they want to rush to forgiveness. And I'm guessing that you talk about this a lot, that there's a there's a slowness that we need to accept, a patience that we need to have with ourselves and ideally with anyone that we're seeking forgiveness from, that if we force it, there's it will lack, it will lack congruence. It will lack its its truth and its authenticity. And so sometimes we have to simply bear the the being with this uncomfortable feeling. And not try to force the forgiveness and instead invite it closer. I think of I the image that's coming to mind is I'm sitting in a campfire. I want to invite that forgiveness to come sit next to me. But I can't try to just jump at it and lunge because it'll probably run away. <laughs> Beautiful image. Uh, I always say forgiveness is uh, a journey. But uh, yeah, it, it could be uh, very, very similar. Julie, I'm aware of the time. And before concluding this lovely conversation, I would like to come back to you and uh, asking if there is anything that you are working on planning 2024 uh, is uh, basically upon us. So is there anything that you would like to share with us? Well, you know, the first thing is if if folks are struggling with jealousy right now, I would love to invite you to um, grab the jealousy roadmap, right? We didn't walk through the steps because I've already outlined them. You can get the jealousy roadmap um, if you go to jealousyroadmap.com or if you go to listen to jolie.com. You'll download that and it, they're just written out for you. Like you said, it's a journey working through challenging emotions is a journey. And I'd love to help people by just giving them a, a path that was born directly out of my research. Um, I researched this for my doctoral dissertation and then continued that research. Um, and then I would point people toward my podcast, Playing With Fire. Um, I've been interviewing people more recently about jealousy. There'll be a few more jealousy-related stories. But also in my back catalog, I have several interesting episodes for people who are really struggling to work with their jealousy. And my goal in having these conversations, Rosanna, is to help people connect to the idea that jealousy isn't, a, it's not a dooming sentence, right? Like you can be present to it and it doesn't have to feel like it ruins your life. Beautiful. And as always, we will put all the links in the description of today's episode so people will find you on, on the other side. 
Listen, before really going, final question. If there was one take-home message that you would love everybody to remember from this conversation, what that would be? Mm. It's that your jealousy is yours. And if you are currently struggling with it in a way that feels like it's out of control, that I invite you to be patient with yourself and watch first for your behaviors, right? See if you can get your behaviors under control before you try to change the feeling inside because the behaviors could impact your relationship today and for the rest of your life. We can work with the emotion of jealousy in a more deep, profound way and address how you feel inside. But if you treat your partners with care and concern, you'll have that chance to work with the jealousy. Oh, that's absolutely beautiful. Well, as we conclude this journey through the complex terrain of jealousy, it becomes quite clear to me that while jealousy is commonly viewed through the lens of negativity, it carries within it the seeds of profound self-discovery and personal growth and the potential to become a mirror that reflects our deepest desires, insecurities, and unmet needs. And on this note, I want to leave you with a quote from Carl Jung who said, your vision will become clear only when you can look into your own heart. Who looks outside dreams, who looks inside awakes. Jolie, thank you so much for accepting our invitation, for sharing so much about your story, your mission, and uh, your work. I, I was really, really intrigued about talking about jealousy and uh, yeah, lovely conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rosanna. It's a pleasure. Well, we would love to know what you think about this topic. Have you ever experienced jealousy? Don't say no, please. How did you navigate it? Did you find a way to use it as a catalyst for your own growth and development? If so, let us know how it went. But if in contrast, you often find yourself struggling with making sense of feelings of jealousy, well, I'm sure there's plenty of information and tips in today's episode to kickstart your self-reflection journey. And if you need extra help, check out Jolie's work on our website and podcast and follow her on social media. You will find all the links in the description of today's episode. Hopefully not, but if you have been affected by the topic we discussed today, as always, I invite you to seek professional help. Join me next time when we will continue exploring inspiring and challenging situations. Because remember, we are together in this journey. Thanks for watching. If you enjoy this content, subscribe to our channel. And don't forget to hit the notification bell and like this video. See you in the next one.